We have a great deacon's ministry here. We are very, very blessed, and it is a joy for me to have the chance to work with our deacon's board. It's one of my uh, wonderful parts of my job. Last week, I sat with some of our preschool teachers. I went down to Trinity House and asked them about how they see progress, and they were working in particular with the four-year-olds who were now, some of them, five-year-olds through the year, and isn't that what every teacher wants to see, is progress. So I wanted to know in particular, how do they notice progress in a four-year-old from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year? And it was really interesting to hear their answers. We have got such an awesome preschool and such amazing teachers. And they were talking about how they notice progress when these four-year-olds can self-regulate, was the word they used self-regulate their bodies, be able to sit still, be able to listen and respond. And also, uh, one of the markers is a demonstration of empathy, where they notice that someone else uh, needs something and they actually respond, and they were given the illustration of how one child, when one of the um, kids got hurt, automatically went in and got an ice pack and came back and gave that person an ice pack. That is a sign of progress. So I went down there intentionally because I was doing homework for this sermon this morning. The church is a different kind of school, but in a way, it is a school where we are trying to progress in our relationship with Jesus Christ, trying to make progress, to mature. And as pastors and leaders in the church, we look for signs of progress, that maturity is actually happening. And I think of that because this book that we are in, Hebrews, uh, from what they can tell, is written by a pastor, a pastor who is paying attention to the progress of this congregation and is giving many, many sermons. And he's right in the thick of making his most important point about what it means to know and follow Jesus Christ. It's really dense material. It's about Jesus Christ being our great high priest. I talked about that the last time that I preached in that passage. And so he's just about ready to go further into this really, really critical central material when he looks up and he makes an assessment about the progress of this congregation. Now, he didn't have the benefits of emojis back there in the first century, but we do. So I'm going to apply some emojis in this sermon, and I want you to think about the emojis you might use for what this pastor is trying to communicate in this sermon that you're going to hear in a moment. Will he be thinking gritted teeth emoji, which is the one that I love? Will he be thinking the opposite? Maybe the waving hands, you all are awesome emoji. Let's pray and listen to God's word. God, we want to hear you, your word, for us, to us, giving us life. So by your spirit, may we listen and draw near to you and mature 
in our relationship with you. Amen. This is Hebrews, very back of your Bible, if you want to follow along. Um, chapter 5, we're going to read the last paragraph, and we're going to go into the first 12 verses of chapter 6. Listen to God's word to you. About this, it's talking about the high, high priesthood of Jesus. About this, we have much to say that is hard to explain, since you have become dull in understanding. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Whoa. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us go on toward perfection, leaving behind the basic teaching about Christ and not laying again the foundation, repentance from dead works and faith toward God, instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, since on their own they are crucifying again the Son of God and are holding him up to contempt. Ground that drinks up the rain falling on it repeatedly and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God but if it produces thorns and thistles, it's worthless. And on the verge of being cursed, its end is to be burned over. Well, even though we speak in this way, beloved, we are confident of better things in your case, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you showed for his sake in serving the saints, as you still do, and we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. First emoji, frustrated emoji rolled eyes emoji because in this first paragraph he's basically saying that they should be ready for solid food he should be able to go ahead and teach on the high priesthood of jesus christ but he can't because they are still needing milk like an infant nobody wants to be called a baby nobody wants to be compared to an infant especially those that are in preschool but he is not talking to toddlers. He is talking to grown men and women. You are still like babies, needing milk, needing a bottle. You should be able to be teachers by now. You should be able to pass on the things that you have been taught. But instead, you keep laying the same foundation over and over again. Like Jesus taught at the very beginning, repent and believe. 
teachings on the baptism, having hands laid on them to receive the Holy Spirit, to learn about the resurrection and the life, they're still laying the same foundation over and over again. He has a word for them. The Greek word is nothros, and it means dull, dull of understanding, sluggish. And the best emoji I could find for that was this one, sleeping emoji. I remember years ago, before I moved here, uh, the church that I was in, there was a high school pastor, not a pastor, a high school teacher, and he wanted me to come and speak with his class. I'm not, I can not even tell you why he wanted me to come speak to his class. But I do remember the impression that his class made on me, which was there were various states of interest and engagement in that room. The interested student all the way to the person that made the biggest impression on me was the head down on the desk completely asleep. I thought, wow, how do you teach and engage a class like that? God bless our teachers. Well, Hebrews, this pastor in Hebrews, is noticing that they may be present in the body, but they're not really present in terms of being engaged or really growing or really maturing, like that student in the class. Body was there, yes, but there was no interest. And you know, as far as the preacher's concerned, there's only two directions you can be going, and you can't be standing still. You are either going deeper and maturing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, or you are going adrift. There is no standing still. As Tom Long put it, if they remain spiritual children, wearing water wings and paddling around in the shallows, they will soon grow weary and drift away with the tide. You cannot stay still in the Christian life. So after that paragraph, the frustrated emoji, the preacher says, okay, let us go forward toward perfection, leaving behind the basic teaching about Christ. Then the next paragraph, the frightened emoji. The pastor is noticing that people are falling away. It's kind of like someone who is an instructor for rock climbers, and as this person is instructing, noticing that not all stories end well in rock climbing. Noticing, too, in the church, this pastor, that not all stories end well. People are leaving and falling away from their faith. Now, I think it is good for us to pause for a moment and to recognize that there are a lot of reasons that people leave the church. And a lot of those reasons have to do with why they came into the church in the first place. Some people come into the church because that's the way they were raised and they think they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to baptize their children. They're supposed to raise their children in the faith. But they may not necessarily have an experience with the living God themselves. And when their children are raised, they may leave because they did not have a meaningful experience that is their own. But notice what the pastor is describing here in terms of who has fallen away. These are people who have been enlightened. They have tasted the heavenly gift. They have shared in the Holy Spirit. They've tasted the goodness of the word of God, the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away. So when they leave, they're not just rejecting the church. They're not just rejecting a teaching, they are rejecting a person, and not just any person, they are rejecting the Son of God. So this is so much more serious than a disinterested student in a classroom or a person in Sunday school who just doesn't care 
because this is the heart of the matter. If they reject this, if we reject this, it is about life itself and rejecting the source of life. It is the difference between becoming a soil that is blessed and produces all kinds of fruit to being a soil that produces thistles and thorns and is cursed. There are very high stakes here, very high stakes to moving forward in maturity. And it's not about school. It's about life. Life that comes through a relationship with the living God. Several years ago, about four or five years ago as a church, we were assessing where we were going in our journey as a church. And one of the things that was missing was that we had no guide for what maturity looks like. Nothing. Nothing that helped people know what does maturity and progress in the faith look like. And so after a year of working on it, we put together the spiritual goal core curriculum with the goal itself being to know Jesus so intimately that we become like him. We are transformed. And this core curriculum involves four different arenas of constantly needing to be nurtured and tending the soil to move forward in that maturity. There's a team of people that just got started this last week as our spiritual formation team, and we put together our purpose statement, why we exist for this church, and this is the statement. The spiritual formation team, the purpose is engaging and growing the congregation in the spiritual goal core curriculum through existing ministries, the development of small groups, and other spiritual practices for spiritual formation. Engaging and growing you. That's not something that I can do for you or that anybody else can do for you in terms of you being engaged and growing. It's something you have to want for yourself. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. Your pastors, your leaders can't do it for you, including this wonderful spiritual formation team. You have to want it. How many times have you heard me say that I want to learn Spanish? A lot since I took four years in high school and got all A's and didn't learn Spanish. That was not the teacher's fault. But I haven't done the hard work that I need to do to learn Spanish. It takes work to do that. I have to want it so bad that I will do what it takes to learn Spanish. People that are growing here in this congregation, they want it. And they are making the life of the church a priority in their lives because we can't do it alone. And most of them are engaged in some kind of way of being in scripture, in community, in small group. So high stakes. The last paragraph, after the rolled eyes of frustration, after the frightened emoji, for the possibility of falling away, there is the loving emoji. Chapter six, verse nine, even though we speak in this way, rolled eyes, frightened emoji, even though we speak in this way, beloved, we are confident of better things in your case, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work, the love that you showed for his sake in serving the saints, as you still do. 
there is just this pouring out of affirmation. When I was talking to the preschool teachers, I said, how do you motivate them? The teachers said, by affirming where we see them growing and making progress. And they're proud of their growth. And so they want to keep growing. He's doing that here. And in a way, we're doing that in our deacons ministry this morning. Our deacons, their work, their love, for the sake of Jesus Christ, they are serving the saints in this church and in the community. But I must say to you that these saints on our deacons board who don't think of themselves as saints, they do this because they are engaged and growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. They are growing in prayer. Barbara Schmidt just joined our church this last year, came to the new member class, wanted to be connected, wanted to know what was going on, how to be in ministry, and now she's a deacon. Keith and Barbara Crockett, who not only have been committed to small groups and being in scripture, leading the small group, engaged and growing. Ken Keelan, who went to Great Getaway Retreat without Francine, the big tall kid in the group, because he is eager to be engaged and growing in his faith and the love of God. The sermon is meant to motivate. The preacher of Hebrews, the sermon that he's preaching, is meant to motivate his congregation and to motivate us. So what kind of progress are you making? What emoji would you use about your journey in knowing Jesus more and more intimately and becoming more and more like him? Like many people are still laying the foundation of even knowing who Jesus is. Who is he? And that's okay as long as we're moving toward maturity and perfection. And what will motivate you in your journey? As a pastor, I can tell you what makes me content. This is the emoji I would use. It delights me when I see you having your own experience of God's love in Jesus Christ in such a way that you want more. You're not sure exactly necessarily, you haven't figured it all out, but you're experiencing God's love in your life. And it's drawing you forward. It's making you want to grow and to be more in scripture, more in prayer, more in service. We can provide these things as church, we do. The new member class, the learning circles, the Bible studies, the opportunities for service, engaging issues of injustice, but we can't want it for you. You have to want it, but here's the good news. God wants you and looks towards you with nothing but compassion and love, whatever that emoji is. You think God is expressing towards you. It is this invitation of love and grace and mercy, a new day, 
a new invitation to mature. And the motivation comes from Jesus alive in us. That's good news. You don't have to drum it up. If you just ask, say, I want this. And God will begin to stir and move you in that direction. Let's pray for that. God, we pray that you will wake us up in the ways that maybe we have been sluggish or dull or standing still, supposedly. We do not want to drift away from you and your love and grace. Alive in your people, alive in this world you love. So Lord, move us toward you, even this morning. And fill us anew with the spirit of Jesus Christ. So just as he was one in you and your love, so may we be more and more and stir one another up to love and good works. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And women.